Welcome to PPM Simplifies. This is a weekly podcast that will help you have a better understanding on environmental regulations and how they relate to your industry. In each episode, we'll talk with experts across various industries who will share their insights with you. This is PPM Simplifies. Today, we're joined by an incredible guest, Mr. Corey Gotro, out of our Baton Rouge, Louisiana office, and we are going to have a conversation about environmental services for the energy market. Corey, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm great, Todd. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Man, we are so glad to have you. I know our listening audience is going to enjoy this one, and before we do that, uh, we find ourselves in November 2022, and uh, out of the blue, unexpected, uh, some little football team out of Baton Rouge is having a heck of a year. So, is there anything you want to say to that? Uh, it, it's been it. I think heck of a year is quite an understatement. It's been great and uh, a big go Tigers to everybody listening. It's a it's a happy Baton Rouge right now. There you go. And uh, hey, what people don't realize is a happy Baton Rouge. Everybody's more productive across the petrochemical sector, and a lot more good things happened uh, for our nation. So let, let's keep let's keep that up. And since we're talking about that. Uh, that's our segue into environmental services, and I thought it'd be good for us just to do a little primer review of uh, some of the different topics. And I think the most obvious space to to go into is whatever you're talking about the, the the energy market. You really start thinking about air first. Is that is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's so much going on in in the air world with with regulations, new regulations, especially over the past few years between. Uh, yeah, as we know, every time there's a change in administration, there's there's new rules that are brought in, new rules that are taken out, and you know we're kind of seeing that right now with the the Quad OA A rules for uh, natural gas processing plants and stuff like that. So, you know, it's something always to keep an eye on. Um, it's and as we say in the air world, if it's kind of like the the weather in Louisiana, if you don't like it, stick around; it'll change and. Uh, so it's constantly changing. So it's good to have somebody kind of looking out for you to make sure that you're up to date with with all the changes that are proposed and and you know coming down the pipe or or anything that that's going to make sure that you stay in compliance with what you your obligations to do so. And Corey, on that note, you know you have your basics that that, that everybody's pretty familiar with. I think of making sure you know you have your permit if you're a small source or if you're you know a major uh, source. Make sure you're permitted right. Uh, doing your annual compliance reporting. I mean, all that still goes on, but you know, you're speaking to something that that's really the 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 great frontier. And I think a great example would be we're starting to see a lot of discussion, and and the technology's been around now for 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 a bit. But I think that we're going to see admissions from trying to look uh, through through satellites, trying to use cameras and different tools to look for you know where these areas are in these facilities, these plants, uh, these production fields to where, you know, emissions are occurring and methane or CO2 is uh, coming out. And I really think uh, the next few years, there's going to be a really big focus on that. Is that, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, one, one cool, one cool little device is a drone, you know, and we're, we're all excited about them because they're, they're nifty. I mean, that, that it's a, the technology behind them is crazy in itself that you can have a, you know, very small thing that, that can fly around and take pictures. Well, now they can attach anything to that drone. You know, they can attach little things to look for 
you know, leaks to look for hot spots. Um, and we're definitely seeing that. We're definitely seeing a push for the for CO2. A lot of people are trying to trying to reduce their carbon footprint. And, and one way to do that is to help control CO2 emissions and and get out in front of those. And and you know, we're seeing we're seeing drones be able to to fly over areas and and map out things that we would have never been able to do so, especially not as as um as quickly. You know, I mean, we we all know Google Earth is a great tool and we're able to go back and look at look at you know the last you know 40, 60 years on, on Google Earth images, but now over the course of a day, we can fly a drone over an entire facility and point out everything that's going on on that facility, you know, that particular day, it's, it's really going to change. It's going to change the way that, that we stay in compliance. And I I would not be surprised in the next, I I don't even want to put a time limit on it, but I would not be surprised in the near future if DQ even doesn't move towards, you know, surveillance and stuff like that using drones. And I'm not saying spy. I don't want to, I don't want to say that, but, but definitely using using the tools that are now out there, you know, maybe that we're only looking at from from our standpoint. But I would not be surprised to see the the regulatory agencies move into those and in, you know into that realm as well. To, I mean, they're tools that are that are useful and they give us a lot of information. You know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But yeah, that's also also good to catch something maybe that you know you would not have called otherwise. Well, that, that that's what I was thinking about because. When you can, can look and have these different tools to assess areas, if you had a um, area in your production facility that wasn't tight and that had an emissions release, you want to button that up because that's lost profit, that's lost product, and you want to capture all that so you can actually work these materials and uh, you know make make as much product so you can uh, get the highest return uh, on what you're producing that you can. So. I think it all fits together nicely, and uh, it, is, it is exciting to have new tools like that. I mean, again, they've been developing over the last decade, but there, there's some really neat things coming out now, and people can, you know, put themselves in positions and look in areas that would have been really hard to get through, uh, to get to in other times. Well, hopping off uh, air, maybe moving more into the, the water side, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of production facilities uh, would have, you know, water outflows, certainly storm waters. What would be your, you know, kind of overview of, of how the energy market views water? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be the uh, very similar to the air situation where where you're looking at there's there's so many technologies out there to to make sure that, you know, when you discharge your water, you're you're doing so within the limits of your permit. You know, there's easy ways to make sure you're doing your your testing, make sure you're looking for your sheen before you discharge any stormwater. You know, get at something as simple as getting your DMRs done. You know, I mean, just running those things and, you know, just looking at your permit, knowing whether you need to submit your DMR, you know, annually, if you need to do something semi-annual, quarterly, and sometimes even even monthly. Um, you know, I was at a, at a site that actually had, they they pulled in uh, water from the Mississippi and they actually had a on-site water clarification system for drinking water. So they had oh, wow. these so they had these uh, pretty stringent rules through the Louisiana uh, Department of Health uh, on on how to you know comply with the the water that they were bringing in you know into the site. So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways to to look at, at at water in the sense that 
it's always one of the simple things too. I find it if you spill something, you need to clean it up. Make sure it doesn't get into your ditches. And if it does, make sure you're closing your gates and um, you know, trying to keep everything on site. So I, I find it a little easier than I say that. I, I'm a I'm more of an air guy. So I say that because I find water's easier to control. I mean, once something gets released into the air, it's kind of gone. But uh, you know, water's one of those things that it's 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 a little easier to I think to handle. So I think you're going to see DEQ really push for, you know, your SPCC plans and, and SWIPs to make sure that you know what you would do in case of a, a spill or anything like that. So I would not be surprised to see, see EPA and, um, you know, the local DEQ here uh, really, really look at those, those plans and make sure that you, you have an accurate plan, that it's up to date, that it encounters everything that, you know, that you have on your site um, to make sure that that's all you know, button down to that, you know, what you're doing. Well, and you, and you hit a couple of really cool uh, points, uh, Corey. I'm going to share my thoughts, too. We've done podcasts on SPCCs uh, and our FRPs, but, you know, those plans, you said it, it's so important for them to be accurate. And, you know, everything will, tends to evolve and change over time. And, um, you know, maybe you're only required to update your SPCC plan every five years uh, or a different frequency from that. But, your plant is going to change likely every two or three years anyway. So you're updating your plans there. It's important for them to be accurate. And they're great training tools, too. That's the thing I think it's always, when you have a really good SPCC plan that's accurate about your facility, man, it's a great training tool to, to go out and say, hey, if this scenario happens, if this valve were to fail or if this tank were to rupture, here's what we're going to do and, and be prepared for it. And um, you know, things happen in the field, but I think I think that's a really good point you made. And then the other thing I think is fascinating is I think you're looking at, you know, from uh, non-potable water usage, usage from, you know, raw streams and river water, and even, uh, you know, deep desalination plants now looking at, can we use seawater? Uh, we know the West is going through a drought, but I think that's going to be a fun area to watch, too, over the next uh, few years as these technologies involved and we're able to find, um, you know, sources of water to bring into our, to our, to our facilities. I think that's going to be a, a, the, the new frontier too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on, on that point, sitting, you know, sitting here down in, on, on the Mississippi, it's, it's interesting going out there and looking at the USS kid, the, the warship out here in Baton Rouge, and it's it's dry. You know, it's dry docked right now, which is pretty remarkable how low the Mississippi river is. And one other point, uh, you you touched on it certainly on from the SPCC how it's a great tool. I mean it's it tells you a whole lot about your. Uh, it tells you pretty much everything about your facility that you you know you need to know in case of a spill. So I think the most important thing about SPCC plans are just don't put them on the shelf. You know what I mean that they're yeah. they're a tool. You know I think so many people get these things and just stick them on the shelf and say all right we check that box DEQ comes. You know, it's we have a plan, you know, but it's a it's a really great tool out there that has tons of information in it and and it's helpful. So make sure you take in that training your you know, training your 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 entire team with it and, and using it, not just putting it on on the bookshelf. So Corey, we've lightly uh you know discussed air and water. Uh let's go to the next uh uh leg on on the stool, which is waste. Uh, you know, both solid hazardous waste is these facilities, you know, in the markets, they, they, they're in production, they, they're producing, you know, it's inherent, they're going to make waste. 
uh, hopefully it's not hazardous, but but what are some, you know, tips or what are some things to kind of overview how the energy market uh, deals with waste? Yeah, I think it's it's mainly just just knowing your waste and characterizing it correctly, making sure that you, you know, if you are a large quantity generator, small quantity generator, or, or very small quantity generator, you're doing your reports, um, you're doing your manifest. It's it's just a matter of of knowing what your knowing what your byproducts are, knowing how to store them correctly. <laughs> uh, you know, making sure that you're not just sticking something out in a pile that that's not supposed to be out in the weather. Um, you know, anything you have is storing storing drums correctly. You know, putting putting hazardous waste in you know in a location or or even your universal waste. Making sure that you have an area of your facility where all that stuff is contained, and everybody in the facility knows you know where aerosol cans go, where where your light bulbs go, where your batteries. Um, actually, speaking of batteries, I I think that's going to be one of the more interesting aspects of everything because as we know, we've 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 moved to a a wireless world. I mean, everything from you know cell phones. We we talk about how how they can do everything for us, but the tools that we used to use for uh, you know for building a house. I mean, now everything runs on a battery, I mean, you, you don't even you know typically you don't everything is wireless. So you're now looking at all these batteries that your facility could be creating and making sure that you know those can't just go into the garbage every time you wrap up something. Um, you know, and chargers and uh, it's frustrating. I know for everybody because everything comes with a charger, right? And no charger matches another charger. And so then whenever you get a new piece of equipment, you have this electronic component of the charger that needs to be discarded, you know, along with the battery and stuff like that. So I, I think probably that's one of the bigger things as far as the, the waste side of it is, is the amount of, amount of uh, batteries and stuff like that, that we probably exponentially um, grown and, you know, and now it's going to be up to the the other sectors to try to figure out how to how to dispose of those properly and, you know, reuse what what can be reused and stuff like that. That's for that's for somebody a lot smarter than me. But, uh, you know, there, there's going to be some opportunities out there, I think, for I think we've already seen a few plants, you know, offering those services throughout, you know, even Louisiana you know, trying to trying to reuse some batteries and stuff like that. So I think that'll be probably the most interesting part to look at from a waste standpoint um, that, moving that, forward. No doubt about that. And that technology is also in fifth gear. And you're seeing, you know, that evolve very quickly. And unfortunately, there is a lot of waste generated there, too. So a couple other things, Corey, before we kind of round up our podcast, you know, just remind everybody in that energy market, you also have the due diligence pieces when you're looking at buying and selling or acquiring uh, facilities or production fields or doing evaluations, on, on, again, on the acquisition, you know, getting your phase one, phase two done right within the course of ASTM standards, uh, the environmental site assessments there, uh, a compliance audit. Corey, that's something Absolutely. you guys do do very routinely to where you'll go in and look at a facility and, and, you know, make sure that everything is, you know, permitted correctly and the site's in compliance. Yeah, look, you're not going to buy a house without doing the house inspection. I mean, it's the same thing, right? You coming in, let's let's make sure everything's shored up and that, you know, we have the right pieces in place and those that, you know, recognize the pieces that maybe need a little more oomph to them. And, and you know, we're happy to help with those as well. But no doubt about it, my friend. And then the last area I will touch on uh, is an area we, we start off in uh, with our firm in 1994, which is soil and groundwater assessments and remediation. You know, unfortunately, as you're, you know, in, in the energy market and you're operating, 
you're going to unfortunately have leaks and spills and accidents and ups. And, you know, uh, the, the last area we'll touch on is, is, you know, making sure that, you know, you're, you're conducting your assessment right, you're getting the right kind of analytical data, data right. And if you do have to address that with the state, if the release is significant enough, making sure you're using the right remediation approaches to, to do the cleanup. And uh, that's an area, um, you know, it's underground, you can't see it, but that, that that's an area that you really, you got to have an expert in uh, to make that happen. Uh, any thoughts I, there? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the, I think you touched on it. Every, every site's different, you know, just because you, you're going to remediate something this way or this site doesn't, it's not a, not a one size fits all approach. So it's good to have people like PPM that can come in and kind of really help you out and, and get you on the right path. Um, and then it goes back to what we said earlier, like try to do as much good stuff on the front end as you can. And hopefully you can catch those leaks before they get, you know, too bad or, or, you know, any kind of spill, you can get it cleaned up and stuff like that rather than, you know, trying to ignore it. But it's it certainly there are some opportunities for, uh, for us to come in and really, really help out, I think, with, with a lot of sites. And also prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's I, the and, my, and my other little thing is, as I always say, is if it's easy to comply with, it's easy for DEQ to pick at you. So it, yeah. if there's something very simple as doing a DMR, fill out a DMR. If you miss it, that's, that's, I mean, that's sitting right there for DEQ to come and get you. So make sure you're doing the simple things, you know? Man, that, that's exactly right. Well, Corey, as always, man, such a treat. You're such a wealth of knowledge. I know our listeners uh, enjoyed it. And on the note, you know, if, you, if this conversation sparked any further thoughts or ideas or questions from you, you can always go to our website, uh, ppmco.com. Uh, there's a contact us area there, and you can reach out to Corey or myself. And, uh, you know, we'll be happy to visit with you uh, further about this topic. Uh, any closing thoughts, Corey? No, it's always a pleasure. And yes, absolutely. If there's anything we can do for you, or like I said, if you have questions, if you thought of something while you were listening, you know, feel free to, to give us a buzz and we're, we're happy to help. Man, absolutely. Well, Corey, thanks again for your time, my friend. And uh, to listen to audience, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is Todd Perry, and this is PPM Simplifies. Thank you for finding our podcast. For more information, be sure to visit our website at ppmco.com. To stay updated on new episodes, feel free to subscribe to PPM Simplifies on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, this is PPM Simplifies.